Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. Ho, 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 baby! <laughs> what is up? Buffalo Fanatics. Z-Bot here with you. Live on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. On a victory Monday night. And that, of course, can only mean one thing. It is the smoke break. So glad you decided to spend your Monday night with me fresh off of a game that ended in the result we expected. But getting to that result did not happen the way we expected. Seeing you in here with me tells me you're alive. Seeing me on your screen tells you I'm alive. Barely. As are the Bills today. Barely still alive, but alive nonetheless. Survive in advance, baby. That's all that matters in the NFL playoffs. And ultimately, the Bills survive. And the Bills advance to set up one of the more anticipated divisional round matchups in some time. Bills, Bengals in Orchard Park this coming Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Oh, baby, I got chills just saying that out loud. I know we didn't get to square off against the Bengals for a full 60 minutes the uh, first time we were set to play them, but now we shall see them once again, this time in Buffalo and this time for all the marbles. Winner moves on to the AFC Championship to more than likely take on the Kansas City Chiefs, but we'll see. We learned this weekend that no matter what goes on in the game, the Jacksonville Jaguars will not go down without a fight. That game could be more interesting than meets the eye. So here we stand. The Buffalo Bills get it done yesterday. 34-31, your final in Buffalo in a wild card game where the Buffalo Bills were 14-point favorites. The Miami Dolphins come into that game as the biggest underdog in the history of wild card weekend. And everybody, everybody outside of perhaps... I want to say delusional, but after what we watched yesterday, they're not delusional. At the time, two days ago, 
you would say to yourself, you think this game's going to be close as a Miami Dolphins fan? You're, you're, you know, I mean, I understand being optimistic. Hell, I was on the AFC roundtable the other day with Dan Mitchell, TD, Finns, and a couple of other Dolphins guys. I was on there with Rico as well. And I, I said to the Dolphins guys, I said, you got you to gotta lay it out for me here. How do you think, truly, I mean, I understand the optimism being a fan. I understand you want to go into this game confident. But can you please walk me through how you are reaching that confidence? Because I do not see how it is possible, feasible, for the Miami Dolphins to keep this game close. 14-point favorites were the Buffalo Bills. Everybody I had talked to, I, I had seen, for the most part, everybody thought the Bills would cover that spread with ease. I did. This was a Miami Dolphins team yesterday that was trotting out a third-string rookie quarterback in Skylar Thompson. They were without their, their running back one in Raheem Mostert, who ran for 100 yards against the Bills in Week 15 in the first quarter. They were hobbled up on the offensive line, and this was also Mike McDaniel's first playoff game as a head coach. Everything was stacked against the Miami Dolphins. Everything was in favor of the Buffalo Bills. Throughout history, any team that's been favored by more than nine points in a wild card game has covered the spread. They were 10 and oh, meaning not only did they win the game, but they won the game so convincingly that they covered a double digit spread. The Buffalo Bills yesterday are now the first team to ever win a game in that setting without covering that spread. So what that says to you is that these games that are designated to be blowouts are almost always blowouts. And what we saw yesterday as things kicked off was exactly what we thought it was going to be, a blowout. You can't sit here and tell me for one second after the Bills go up 17-0, the way they start, trot down the field, touchdown, intercept Skylar Thompson, all over him from the defensive line standpoint, looked like he was flustered immediately get off to a 17-point lead. It just felt like everything was clicking for Buffalo. It almost reminded you of what you saw last year in the wild card round against the New England Patriots. The Bills could do no wrong. Everything was going right. It seemed like Josh Allen back to the playoff. Allen, Gabe Davis back to playoff. Gabe, uh, Stephon Diggs, who as the season went on, was starting to almost be put on the back burner to some extent, statistically. We saw him absolutely explode yesterday. It just felt like everything was going the way it was supposed to, really. It also felt that way on the Miami side of things as well. Skylar Thompson with that pick on the second series there. Uh, they just looked overwhelmed. They looked like they weren't going to be able to match up. I felt like in this game, the one chance Miami had was going to be defensively. And early on, it just looked like they weren't even going to be able to show up against this Bills offense. If you watch the pregame show yesterday with me, Rev and Rico, we went through this game extensively and we went around the circle and we, you know, I, I had said, I'm so sick and tired of trying to drum up reasons to be, to, to lack confidence in a setting like this. Give me a reason why I shouldn't be more than confident in the Buffalo Bills who were the preseason Super Bowl favorites and have been either the favorite or the second favorite to win the Super Bowl every single year up until this point. They are the only team in the entire NFL to have been favored every single game this season, including yesterday and including next week. They are favored to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. They're the only team in the entire league this whole season to have not been an underdog once. And they are 
going out at home, emotionally fueled up from the DeMar Hamlin situation on top of everything else this team has been through, not, not to mention trying to avenge last year's gut-wrenching departure from the playoffs. They're playing a division rival. Same thing they did last year in the first round. Destroyed New England. They're playing a third-string quarterback, a rookie head coach, in his first playoff game. There was no reason for me to not be overly confident in the Bills not only winning this game, but winning it convincingly. But I had said, if I have to give you a reason as to how I think this Bills team allows Miami to stay in the game all day, it's going to be because they do not play sound fundamental football. The coaching does not show up at the highest level. And the Bills turn the ball over. And what happened? The Bills were inadequate in all three of those phases. And guess what the result was? The game was close until the final second of the ballgame. Now, I would not have predicted the Bills to get off to as hot of a start as they did and then lose the lead and then not only regain that lead to an extent as they went up 34 to 24, but then after that, allow Miami right back in it. That, to me, was the furthest thing from what I thought was going to happen. I thought either it would be sloppy throughout and therefore Miami keeps it close throughout or the Bills were going to from start to finish absolutely dismantle this Miami Dolphins team. It was the weirdest game of the weekend and I think that was because of a multitude of reasons. One, like I keep mentioning, everybody expected the Bills to just wipe the floor with Miami. And it wasn't a far-fetched thought to have. I mean, we're talking about a Bills team who was the favorite to win it all, going out against a Miami team with their third-string quarterback. Anybody who's watched football this year had the mindset that the Bills were just going to roll. Not to mention, Miami had been on an absolute skid. They had lost five straight games up until they had beat the Jets last week, 9-6, to to army crawl into the playoffs in the seventh spot that didn't even exist a handful of years ago. Yesterday, the last thing I expected was what happened. And what happened was me pacing around my house for three straight hours, my heart beating out of my chest, throwing things, screaming, up and down. I mean, I must have gotten 10,000 steps in throughout the course of that game, which, by the way, that was the longest home game in the history of the Buffalo Bills franchise. It almost hit the four-hour mark. So not only was it a gut-wrencher, not only did it almost, you know, make you pass out at times, it also did that throughout the course of the longest game in the stadium in Buffalo in the franchise history. So it was nearly a four hour endurance test of how long can you withstand the cardiac bills? How long can you withstand what this team has been known to do to us forever? And that is just, just raise your blood pressure to a point of just no return. To literally have this roller coaster of emotions. I've gone through this at length, right? About the Bills. Um, 
you know, about how the Bills put you through every wave of emotion almost weekly. The highest of highs, the lowest of lows, even sometimes in the middle, that median, even yesterday, right? Okay, you knew Miami when it was like 17 to 6. Rico had said yesterday on the pregame show, I agreed with him. How was Miami going to get the ball in the end zone with Skylar Thompson? How was it going to happen? The Bills averaged nearly 30 points a game. With Tua not starting for the Miami Dolphins, the Miami Dolphins averaged 16 points a game. How was Miami going to be able to put up enough points to be able to compete in this game? So when they got, you know, three points, then six points. Okay, yeah, you're not going to shut them out. It's the playoffs. You knew Mike McDaniel was going to come with something creative in order to get this team going, in order to get the most out of his inexperienced young quarterback thrown to the wolves in a dire situation in Miami where nobody was healthy enough to go other than Skylar Thompson. What unfolded yesterday, I don't necessarily know what to take from it as we move forward into this Miami game. I want to start with a variety of different topics, both good and bad, as we recap this game. Because I think there's a lot of good that can be taken away from yesterday, and that, that's obvious. We saw a lot of good yesterday. I think that's about as good as the wide receiver core has played all year long. We've seen, we saw some incredible throws from Josh Allen. We saw some incredible defensive performances, right? We'll get into all that. We also saw a ton of bad. We also saw a ton of things that we know damn well if that is what is put out on the field against the Bengals this coming weekend and against the Kansas City Chiefs or a very well-coached and inspired Jacksonville Jaguars team who will not be an easy out. If it transpires in those two games, you're not, you're not going to get it done. You are not moving on. I want to start, though, about what is most important today. I want to talk about what is most important today because there's a lot of good and a lot of bad. We're going to get into it all. But ultimately, the only thing that matters in postseason football is the final score at the end of it all. It does not matter how you get there. It does not matter how bad it looked, how bad a certain player played, how bad a coach coached. doesn't matter who you played, where you played, when you played. All that matters is when the game is over, the W is on your side, and you move on. Brian coming in here saying it perfectly. No style points in the postseason, just win in advance. We've talked about style points here on the smoke break a lot. I think style points to some degree matter in the, in the regular season. I think it builds, it builds confidence. It allows the opponents throughout the league to understand what it is that you're bringing to the table. You assert your dominance. I mean, when we saw the Bills kick the season off this year, they come into the year the Super Bowl favorite, right? They come into the year the hottest team that you know everybody had in their power rankings and their predictions based on how they played against New England in the postseason last year, against the Chiefs last year in the postseason, the addition of Von Miller, a great offseason for Brandon Bean and these Buffalo Bills. We all were not shocked to see the Bills come out the first week and absolutely steamroll the Rams. We were not shocked to see them steamroll the Titans, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. We weren't shocked, right? That, to me, mattered to some degree. 
in the beginning of the year because the Bills had an unprecedented amount of pressure going into the 2022 season. An unprecedented amount. Especially for a team who did not even make the AFC Championship last year. I've said this multiple times on here before. You would have thought, based on the pressure put on the Bills this year, that they would have won it all last year. The reality is, they didn't get, they didn't get past the round that we are about to play this coming weekend. The pressure was insurmountable, insurmountable it seemed, right? And then for them to be able to come out against the reigning Super Bowl champs on the road, against the reigning AFC one seed in the Tennessee Titans, for them to be able to come out this year and not only win, but win convincingly, put up the amount of points they did, have the defense just dominate the way they did, those style points mattered, I think, to some degree. I think it allowed this team to believe within themselves, not that they didn't already, but for them to be able to prove, yeah, all these expectations on our shoulders, they're justified. But in the postseason, none of that matters. There is no next week unless you win. The LA Chargers were up 27 to nothing. 27 to nothing. Okay? Picked off Trevor Lawrence four times and a half. Nate Peterman was trending on Twitter during the Jacksonville Jaguars LA Chargers game. What does that mean? Nothing good. Nothing good. Jacksonville Jaguars won that game. You all know that by now. Yesterday, Minnesota Vikings, one of the best seasons in franchise history. They didn't lose a single game that was within one score. They were on an unprecedented heater. They were winning games at a clip that nobody could believe based on how they were winning them. And Brian Dable in his rookie head coaching debut with Daniel Jones and their number one wide receiver being Isaiah Hodgins, a practice squad player for the Buffalo Bills go into Minnesota and beat them somewhat convincingly. Yesterday, at night, a game in which the Cincinnati Bengals were nearly 10-point favorites. They were a one-yard Greg Roman debacle away from losing to Tyler Huntley. If Greg Roman didn't drum up in his imagination that Tyler Huntley was wearing a Jimmy Neutron style jetpack where he was going to be able to ascend into the sky and nosedive into the end zone. The Baltimore Ravens probably win that game on the road in Cincinnati yesterday and completely flip everybody's postseason bracket. Instead, what happened was an absolute horrific play call that resulted in the play of the weekend, a 99-yard touchdown fumble return by a defensive lineman that was the only score left in the game and won the Bengals the game. What's your point, Bot? My point is this. The, Dolph- the Dolphins, yes, they were a massive underdog. It's still a team that the Bills face twice each year a division rival and a bitter rival at that two teams that hate each other, a team in which the bills have dominated over the last couple of years. And I feel foolish for not allowing myself to think this going into the game. I got way too confident and I had told myself there was no reason to, to to suppress my confidence. The reality is that was a divisional matchup yesterday where these two teams know each other very well. And Anything can happen because it's the playoffs. The point here is that Daniel Jones beat the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings who had an unbelievable season finally get over the hump of those Green Bay Packers and win that division. 
gone. First round exit. Season's over. The Bengals, who have won what now? 10 straight games? They were an absolute anomaly away from losing to the Baltimore Ravens without Lamar Jackson. And on Saturday night, Justin Herbert finally gets into the postseason looking like he's getting ready to roll the Jacksonville Jaguars and move on to Kansas City, a team in which they have played well every single time they've played. They don't beat them, but they sure as hell give them all they got. They blew a 27-point lead. Did the Bills blow a 17-point lead? Absolutely. Did they go back up by 10 and then blow that? Absolutely. Was the coaching about as bad as I've seen in a long time? You're damn right. Josh Allen once again throwing balls he shouldn't be? You're damn right. Won the ball game. Won the ball game. And there were plenty of opportunities in that game yesterday where I could be sitting here saying the complete opposite. You know it as well as I. Oftentimes in games where they finish close, where the Bills are playing inferior opponents, I'll sit here and say, yeah, I know it wasn't their best outing. I know they only won narrowly, but I never really had a doubt the Bills were going to lose that game. I can't say the same for yesterday. Go on my Twitter right now. Take a look at the picture I posted. My girlfriend took it of me right after the strip sack fumble where the Dolphins went up 24 to 20. It was in that moment where I got legitimately nervous to the point where I almost vomited. I almost threw up. I haven't had my heart pounding and racing like that with nervousness since Kansas City last year. So it's been about a full year. I was, because it just felt like if Miami could get to that point in the game in which they have already gotten to, then anything's possible. If Miami was able to hang around to the point where they have a lead in the third quarter, it then hit me, it is possible the Bills can lose this game. You didn't feel that way early on. 17-0, of course, 17-3, 17-6. You know, even at 17-17, it, it was like, what the what in the absolute shit is happening right now? But then with what, 40 seconds left, Josh Allen bombed to Gabe, Div- uh, Gabe Davis. You get the field goal before the half. I mean, you're not feeling great by any means. You're actually feeling quite shitty because you're like, wow. Uh, 15 minutes ago, I was getting ready to go take the dog for a walk, right? And now I'm looking for my blood pressure medication. But even then, you know, you still could have convinced yourself, all right, yeah, Miami, you know, they had a few, uh, you know, they had a few things bounce their way. Man, they made it a game, but, you know, still have the lead at half. They're going to break it open in the second half. And then for the Bills' first possession, the first snap of the second half for the Bills to be a strip sack fumble for a touchdown, you can't tell me you weren't sitting there saying, oh, boy, oh, boy, this has this has storybook ending, biggest upset in wild card history written all over it. Bills won the ball game. So before we get into anything, that is what I wanted to open up with because at the end of the day, it is all that matters. None of this, none of this, in my opinion at least, none of what happened yesterday will translate to whatever happens next week. It's just not the way it goes. The NFL really isn't like that. Because if it is, if it was, then every week would go according to plan, right? You wouldn't have the Bills last year losing to the Jaguars. You wouldn't have the Indianapolis Colts somehow beating the Kansas City Chiefs this year. You wouldn't have a Zach Wilson-led New York Jets team beating the Buffalo Bills this year. 
it's very rare that whatever happens on one week also translate, translates to the next week. We're talking about a Bengals team that was played very tough by what? A division rival who not only did they play twice this year, they played them last week. And then the Bills played very tough by who? A division rival who they played three weeks ago. Next week, it's completely different. It's all, all, all cards are, you know, all cards are dealt differently because these are two teams who don't see each other off and they're not division rivals. The coaches don't know them nearly as well. This is completely different. And therefore the game will be completely different. I would not expect Cincinnati to look nearly as stagnant as they did last night. I will not expect Sean McDermott to coach nearly as poorly as he did last night. There's some things that I think can translate that absolutely cannot, which is Josh Allen's decision-making, which is Ken Dorsey's play calling in very critical situations. There's a few things that are within the control of the people who execute these decisions. It's a matter, it's a matter of whether or not they execute them differently this coming week. Balls in both sides. It's on, it's on both courts, really. The Bengals did not play very well last night. They didn't. They should have lost that game. They should have lost it. But the same could be said for Cincy. They didn't. They didn't. Made an unbelievable play. Won the game. They're moving on. You really could make the argument. The Bills should have lost that game. They really should have. But they didn't. They made a couple of unbelievable plays. They move on. So to me, as much as I'll talk about this game here, the good and the bad, I just want to say off the off the bat here. I don't know about I don't know how much yesterday translates in the next week for both sides. I just don't think it works that way. I mean, think about it like this. Think about it like this. TCU in the college football playoffs, TCU massive underdog against Michigan. They go out and play probably the greatest college football game I've ever seen in my life. And they beat Michigan in a massive massive underdog incredible Cinderella type story. Did that translate the next week? No, they lost 65 to 7 to Georgia in the in the in the championship game. One week doesn't mean jack shit to the next. So just keep that in mind. Because we've seen the Bills play some stinkers. We've seen the Bills play some exciting, exhilarating football. We've seen a lot of middle of that, right? A lot of mediocre. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day here. They've won them all for the most part, every one of them. But the same can be said for, for Cincy too. Bills are on a nine-game win streak. Cincy's on a 10-game win streak. One of them's got to end this weekend. And to me, it's going to come down to, once again, what I thought yesterday was going to come down to, mistake-free football. The playoffs is the last possible place you can expect to get out, you know, get out safely and on to the next round with poor with, with poor. But with poor ball handling, with poor execution, poor decision-making, poor play calling. This is where it catches up to you. I think there's no better, uh, there's no better example than the, than the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, they were living on the edge of their seat this whole season. Every one of their wins was by one score, but it caught up to them yesterday. It caught up to them. As a lot of people, including myself, predicted. It caught up to them. And we'll see as the playoffs unfold here, right? Tonight, I'm very interested. Dallas Cowboys have not played very good football to end the season here. Tampa Bay is hitting stride at the right time. 
Does that come full? Does that meet at the head? Does that meet at the crossroads tonight? Philadelphia Eagles did not end the season very well. What happens next week against the Giants team who has the utmost confidence in themselves right now? That's what makes the playoffs so great. You just have no clue. Let's get to some super chats before we start diving into this game and recapping it. Let's go up to the first one here. We got Mr. Vincer. Mr. Vincer. I like that. A little Miami action tuning in today. By the way, and I, anybody who's in here from um, the Miami Dolphins fan base, great game. I mean, honest to God, great game. Um, all the credit in the world. I am a big Mike McDaniel fan. I just, my, my dad hates him. It's funny. It's like a big argument between me and my dad. My dad can't stand him. He hates everything about him. I love him. I think he's very refreshing. In, in, in a profession where everybody's very mundane, they're very, you know, they're very unapproachable, it seems. They give you the status quo answer. I think Mike McDaniel is a very much needed breath of fresh air in a coaching circle within the NFL that just seems very redundant at times. I think Mike McDaniel is a just an awesome addition to um, the, the, the lineage of head coaches currently in the NFL. I thought yesterday, um, very poor clock management from him, but also even worse clock management from Sean McDermott, in my opinion. That was his biggest Achilles heel yesterday. He also had to send play calls into a third string rookie quarterback. That can't be easy. I thought yesterday, as far as Mike McDaniel was concerned, he got the most out of his guys. He had them believing that they could win that game and he almost damn near pulled it off. So congratulations to the Miami Dolphins on a game executed in which I did not expect. The way they ended the season was pretty damn awful. And to be able to end the season in its totality yesterday, I think even though the Miami Dolphins lost yesterday, I feel way better today if I'm a Miami Dolphins fan than I would had they had not made the playoffs and ended the season losing five of six, just looking like a shell of themselves. My man Jack coming in here with the super chat. Jack saying, feeling better about that game after Bengals game. I couldn't agree more, by the way. That is a great point, and I felt the same way watching the Bengals game last night. That's why I personally bet on the uh, Baltimore Ravens last night plus eight and a half. I learned I, – I, I took I – took, uh, Lesson learned from the Bills game. Divisional matchup, backup quarterback, good coaching, anything can happen. All I know is the better team will probably win, but it won't be easy. That is exactly what happened in Buffalo, Miami. That is exactly what happened in Baltimore, Cincinnati. So great point there, Jack. Uh, Jack goes on to say, like you say, the Detroit win looks better as time moves on. Chiefs loss or sloppy win uh, on Saturday. That's, you know, the Chiefs are another team towards the end of the season here similar to the Bills, where they weren't losing, right? But they weren't ever really convincingly winning either. That's why I'm very intrigued by Kansas City, Jacksonville this coming weekend. I wouldn't put money on Jacksonville to win the game. I do love them at plus nine. I think that's a really wide margin to expect the, the Jaguars to lose by. I do think Kansas City wins the game, but I don't think it's going to be an easy task for Kansas City. Now, to your point about the Detroit win, I think the Detroit Lions at the end of the year looked as good as any team in the NFL. I truly believe that. I think Jared Goff had the best year of his career. I think that that defense was hitting stride for a team that looked abysmal on that side of the ball early on. An incredible dual threat in the backfield. Great wide receiving uh, execution. I thought from Amon Ross St. Brown and a couple of other role players for a team that was completely anemic coming into the season with no expectations to be able to finish the way they did and winning their version of a playoff game, knocking out the green Bay Packers in Lambeau. 
I think that the sky's the limit for Detroit, and your point's spot on. I think the Bills beating the Detroit Lions on a short week after that snowstorm on the road on a holiday, that, that win has looked better and better and better every single week. And I think you look at it right now, and I think I think the same thing today. I think that that win was a massive one for Buffalo in the grand scheme of things. And I also think it shows you that in a game where the Bills do get outplayed, because I thought the Detroit Lions outplayed the Bills on Thanksgiving. They still win. Here's a couple of examples of that throughout the season. I mean, you could argue for three quarters of the game against the Dolphins, in week 15 on Saturday night, the Miami Dolphins outplayed them. The, the, the Bills won the game. You could argue at times last week that the Patriots were outplaying the Bills during a, a few portions of that game. Bills still won convincingly. It, 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 it doesn't matter. This Bills team, and I've, I've, I've beat this horse about a trillion times throughout this season here. I just got to the point where I said, I cannot expect this team to execute what it was that they were executing in the beginning of the year, just absolutely throttling teams by 30. It's just a fool's errand to go into the game as a fan, expecting them to just, just blow the brakes off of everybody. All I give a shit about is winning the game. Does it suck at times watching a boring game where they're just not doing much? Or does it suck at times having to go through yesterday where you're like, oh my God, we were just up 17 and now I'm covered in sweat and and my heart's about to explode. Yeah, it sucks. Doesn't suck winning. I feel fine today. And it's all that matters. It's just all that matters. DBC coming in here. It sounds similar to our living room reaction. Oh, you know... Let me just, I'll pull it up for, for anybody who doesn't have Twitter. Let me just show you. Let me show you what I had going on in, um, in the process of the Bills losing the lead. This is me right here. There's your boy. And the reason that picture was taken, it wasn't like it was a spur-to-the-moment picture. I had my head in my hands leaned against the front door for a solid three minutes. That was right after the strip sack fumble touchdown. And I'm glad you said that, DBC, because I tweeted this out, and let's see where we're at right now with it. 46 comments on that tweet, and I think every single one of the comments has been, dude, that was me to a nutshell. And that's why it's so great coming on here, talking with you, talking to everybody on Twitter, because in the moment, especially me, my mom was here up, uh, up from Rochester visiting me here in, uh, in Connecticut. Uh, my girlfriend, who I w- w- uh, live with, was here, and her sister was here. And, um, you know, they're sitting here wa- witnessing my manic episode. So I don't necessarily feel all that comfortable looking like an, a, an absolute buffoon, but I can't help it. It's a sickness. There's no cure. Well, there is a cure. The Lombardi. The Lombardi's the cure. Just don't have it at my disposal yet. So hopefully I can be cured. What? One month from today, is it? Johnny, coming in, super chat. Z-Bot, you got me hooked on those Abercrombie shirts. Oh, Johnny, I'm sorry. I don't know if you're saying this because of the one I'm wearing, Abercrombie shirt, dude. I like so Abercrombie. I don't know why they did this, but they came out with. Well, I know why because guys like me, like and Johnny, will buy them. That's why they came out with this line of like sports shirts. 
So they came out with a Bills one. You probably see me rocking before. They came out with a new one. I'll rock that one soon. I'll let you know, Johnny, where how to get that if you haven't already. Um, because it's cool. It's another new one. But I love this shirt because a big Penn State fan um, got my signed Penn State helmet right here. Paul Bozlozny, by the way. Little you know tie-in between the Bills and Penn State. You got to love that. But Rose Bowl shirt from Abercrombie. Uh, Penn State won the Rose Bowl this year. Um, and on the back, it says the granddaddy of them all. And I loved that because I've shared with you on here a few times before, but my favorite announcer of all time, Brett Musburger, and he always used to call the Rose Bowl on ESPN with Kirk Herbstreet. And I always just loved the way he used to say, it's the granddaddy of them all. And you were just like, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. Can't wait. Can't wait to watch. But, Johnny, you're welcome for showing you the shirts. I apologize for probably removing some uh, some currency from your wallet. Okay, so where do we begin here? Where do we begin? Well, I guess we start right from the beginning, where it just felt like everything was going, you know, based on the status quo. It almost felt, and it's weird, you know, my dad's got this sixth sense, and I just think it's because he is the most pessimistic Bills fan to have ever lived. Um, and there's part of me that's had a lot of that within me, of course, because as I've, you know, you know, I've shared this a million times, you all know it by now, if you're anything even remotely closed, close to my age demographic, that's all you knew was misery as a Bills fan up until the last couple of years. So naturally you are a pessimist, a pessimist when it comes to watching the Bills. My dad had to live through four straight Super Bowl losses in addition to all those years that I had to live through. So I understand the pessimism. But yesterday, I didn't quite understand when the Bills were up 17 to nothing, and my dad texted me saying that he felt like this was pure luck. He felt like there was a lot of luck bouncing towards the Bills. He felt like they were getting unlucky on the Miami side of things, and he felt like the tide was going to turn at some point. I said, you're out of your mind. I said, they're playing Skylar Thompson, a third-string backup quarterback, in a game where they're 14-point underdogs on the road in Buffalo, and the Bills have a 17-point lead. How are you anything right now but stoked and utterly confident? He was spot the hell on. I cannot possibly fathom how he had that mindset, except no, I can, because, wait, it's the Buffalo Bills. Sometimes I forget who I'm dealing with here. But even me, who understands where the pessimism grows from, I couldn't fathom having a complaint after how that game started yesterday. This is funny. Steven's coming here saying, my uncle calls it watching the wheel of fortune. It truly is. You spin the wheel and say, where is this going to land for this play, this quarter, this half? That's what the bills are. So we spun the wheel in the beginning of the game and we we hit the jackpot, right? 17 nothing. But all of a sudden that the payout on that wheel wasn't so, you know, it wasn't so extravagant. And I don't know if it's just the Bills getting sloppy or cocky as this game went on. I don't know if they took their foot off the gas pedal. You know, I, I just don't know. I, I, I don't know. But what I do know is that Whatever transpired after that initial start to the game yesterday absolutely needs to be corrected before next week and so on. Because it is just not going. I mean, think about it like this. They got by yesterday, right? But think about who they got by in which they played. If that was what happened yesterday against the Chiefs, against, uh, you know, 
the Bengals coming up here. They just don't win that game. And that, of course, is just the way the NFL goal goes. It's the way that it's the roll of the die, right? I mean, who do, who do you land? Okay, we land the Miami Dolphins. They're hobbled up. And that was a major factor in things, I think, because I don't know how that game transpires if, you know, even if two was starting. Are we sitting here talking about the, the Bengals game next week? I'm not entirely sure we are. So that played a factor. There were times in that game where the Dolphins needed to get it going and they couldn't because of their limitations. The fact that they even had it where it was was just lunacy, really. I mean, I still can't even get over it. But I will say, I will say, you know, (laughs) this is the difference between the Bills now and who the Bills used to be, and it's currently who the Chargers are right now and who they've always been, frankly. You know, the the old Bills lose that game. The old Bills blow that 17-point lead and then proceed to lose to a – third string rookie quarterback in the playoffs being the Super Bowl favorite or the second overall favorite. I mean, that's what an old Bills team does. Just like, you know, what the Chargers just did. Colin Coward said it perfectly as I was listening to his show earlier. He said, before the weekend, if I told you there's going to be a team that goes up 27 nothing and then blows the lead and loses, you would have all said it's the LA Chargers. And I couldn't have agreed more. If that question was posed to me before the weekend, there would not be a single team I would have considered other than LA because that is who that team is. They lose in the most gut-wrenching, heart-shattering, tear-jerking way, almost weekly. So they haven't gotten over that hump, right? The Bills have. The Bills have. I mean, we've suffered the we've suffered really gut-wrenching losses, but not at the, I don't think, not at the hands of the Bills doing it to themselves in the playoffs recently. I mean, what more was Josh Allen supposed to do last year against the Chiefs? What could the Bills really have done two years ago against the Chiefs? They were just not a good matchup. They didn't have the personnel to compete with the, the, the Chiefs two years ago. The Chiefs were just too good. They didn't have, They did not have the defensive personnel to keep up with Mahomes. You knew that. Why do you think they went out and added on the D-line the the following two years? They couldn't touch Mahomes. Couldn't get a hand in in his face to save their life. And then against Houston a couple of years back, it's like, you know, Josh Allen's first postseason start. um, And Deshaun Watson makes one of the most incredible plays, in my opinion, in, in playoff history. Getting out of a sack on both ends, spinning out of it, keeping the drive alive. That's how Houston wins. But it was never like the Bills just imploding, whereas the Chargers the other night, they quite literally were the definition of implosion. And it, it, it's just that that's the nice thing is even when you have to go through this roller coaster the Bills put us through yesterday, you get out of it, you get off the ride satisfied and happy to some degree. I mean, if I'm a Chargers fan today, I, I, I don't get out of bed. I mean, really, I, I don't know what would will me out of bed. I just don't know if there would be anything. What, what, like, like, what, would, what would be my motive to move on after that? Because I just would not have any. I just wouldn't have anything in me. I would be a shell of a, a, shell of a man. And to be able to get out on the other side of things, you know, that's, that's what matters. All right, so the big, the big thing, right, is I think – complaints wise. I think the big thing coming from this game is the turnovers from Josh Allen, 
the decision-making from Josh Allen, and then the coaching from both Ken Dorsey and Sean McDermott. Let's start with the coaching. A lot of complaints this year about Ken Dorsey. A lot of complaints. Everybody wants Ken Dorsey fired. Everybody thinks every single week, win or lose, the faults of this team on offense solely lie, if not solely, 90% lie with Ken Dorsey. That's what that's... The complaint I see, I mean, it, it's just, it's routine at this point. Bill's play, go on Twitter, Ken Dorsey complaining. I never totally agreed with all these complaints. I just didn't. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't buy it. Yes, the Brian Dable departure, it's been somewhat noticeable. This team was better with Brian Dable. I think we saw that yesterday. Brian Dable just won a playoff game on the road against a team who won 13 games this year with Daniel Jones. He's going to win coach of the year. You can't possibly think that that isn't going to be somewhat of a disadvantage losing a guy like that. But I think Ken Dorsey was the next best option. You hire in-house a guy who's already has a great relationship with Josh Allen. I've spoken to several players about Ken Dorsey and about him being the offensive coordinator. All the coach, all the players love him. Everybody I talked to was very satisfied and, and, you know, eager to be coached by Ken Dorsey. And I thought throughout the year, yeah, was there times where I'm just like, all right, what are we doing here? Why are we, why are we running it in this situation? Or, uh, you know, why are we, you know, I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and recall a million examples. I, I frankly, I just can't do it, but there were times where I felt the complaints were just justi- justified, but everybody, everybody, every team has that. Every team's got something they can nitpick each week and complain about when it comes to the coaching. So I never really bought the narrative that Ken Dorsey should be fired. I just don't agree with that. However, yesterday was the first time where I some I it was the first time where I sat back and said, "Yeah, the Ken Dorsey complaints today are justified." And there comes to one there, it comes down to me the the one example I have to give you in my opinion based on yesterday to kind of encapsulate the complaints surrounding Ken Dorsey was the drive in which the Bills were up 34 to 31 with about seven or so minutes left. The run game is already to this point. It, it, it's been at times like, like throughout the season, it, it had been neglected. It was sort of bailed on. The Bills only ran it 26 times yesterday uh, in comparison to 39 throws. It was, it was much more pass oriented yesterday to that point. Josh Allen, who ran all over this Miami Dolphins team in week 15. It was the reason they won the game. Josh Allen had only four carries yesterday. And it truly did feel like uh, within those four carries, maybe one of them was designed. And I think the one designed run was the 13-yarder that he, he pulled off. He had 20 yards on four rushes, 13 in which came on one run. Ken Dorsey was not dialing up Josh Allen runs in situations where I felt like, hey, you know, this game isn't 17 to nothing anymore, Ken. Let's get Josh's wheels going here. It's half the reason why he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Wasn't being utilized. They're up 34 to 31 with about seven or so minutes left. Not entirely sure about the exact amount of time left on the clock, but it's, it's midway through the fourth quarter and the Bills are only up by three at this point. Here's the play call. I don't know what you want to call it. All four verticals, deep shot, left, left sideline, deep shot. Okay. I get it. I mean, Josh. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Jalen, what do you have? Eight plus 20-yard recept- uh, throws yesterday? Okay. All right. I mean, they they did it before in the game. Third and 15. Deep shot to Diggs. First down. Third down, deep shot to Khalil Shakir. First down, okay, fine. But we might want to consider running some clock here, Ken, because you only have a three-point lead, and you know the longer you hold on to the ball here, it's going to be much tougher for a rookie quarterback against the Buffalo Bills defense to mount a comeback in a short amount of time. Second down, the exact same play. Okay, now it goes from, all right, Whatever, first down, we've had a lot of deep ball connections today. I get it. Goes from that to, wait, wait a minute. No, no. We have now run two plays and milked about, about 12 seconds off the clock here, Ken. What are we doing? We, we have a marginal lead right now. You got one of the best running quarterbacks to ever live. James Cook has been emerging into the, into the running back, we'd hope he would be able to become to some degree as the season's gone on. And we know that Singletary, you know, he had, he had almost four, five yards of rest yesterday. Might want to consider handing the ball off. On one of the downs, at least milk about 45 seconds off this clock here. Make it tougher for Skylar Thompson to be able to get in field goal range for this Dolphins team. Two deep shots, nowhere to be found. Okay, third down. I don't even know what the play call was. I couldn't tell you if it was a pass. I couldn't tell you if it was meant to be um, a design run for Josh Allen. All I know is it, designed, it, it resulted in Josh Allen running up to the, to the line of scrimmage. And I don't know if it was counted as a sack, but he was tackled at the line of scrimmage. In that situation, all three of those play calls just made no sense. They made no sense. And you might ask, well, okay, you can't, you can't grade the guy on one series. No, but you can. You can because coaching, you're only as good as your next at bat, and you're only as good as how you handle situational football. That right there is a prime example of situational football. You have a marginal lead. 
against a quarterback who has, you know, look at, you know, Skylar Thompson, fine. He went, he went out there and, and was serviceable. He was also 18 of 45 with two picks. Okay. They didn't get the 31 points yesterday on the back of Skylar Thompson. They got there based on defensive play and, and, and a whole lot of what the hell, right? It wasn't because of uh it, it wasn't be, it wasn't because of the Skylar Thompson channeling his inner Brock Purdy. So in that situation, how do you not at least try to milk it with, with two plays? How do you not try to either get the short pass game going to where you complete a ball in bounds and keep the clock moving or you run the ball? I just don't get it. Two deep shots down the left sideline up three halfway through the fourth makes no sense. And then on third down, it was just, I don't, I, it was so bad of a play. I don't even know what the play was. I'm not entirely sure if it was meant to be ran by Josh Allen. I'm not entirely sure if it was meant to be thrown. It was terrible. And then the bills punt. So that to me right there stands out dramatically because it showed me in a situation where the bills need to be smart here. They were the opposite. And that, that series was on Ken Dorsey. Now, I'm not the guy on Twitter saying, fire Ken Dorsey tonight. No, no I, I, don't, I don't buy it. This is what everybody always wants to do. They want to get in this coaching carousel, right? It never works. It just does not work. Doing that doesn't work. How often do you see teams just cycle through coaching nonstop? Houston, perfect example. Okay. We had, we had, we had a, what, what have they had now? They're going on their fourth coach in five years next year after firing Lovey Smith. Not going to be your savior. You think the Arizona Cardinals next year are all of a sudden just going to be miraculously better because they can Cliff Kingsbury? No, they can Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury because he didn't get along with Kyler Murray. I, I never understood just, okay, can the guy because, you know, it, it, it isn't working out. At the end of the day, the Bills also, the Bills had a top five offense in every cat statistical category. They were putting up nearly 30 points a game. They went 13 and three. They win a playoff game. They move on to the divisional. You know, Ken Dorsey's job shouldn't be put in question. However, yesterday in that situation, I understood the complaints surrounding Ken Dorsey. They were finally justified to uh, uh, an understandable extent, in my opinion. I mean, I understand the complaints around Ken Dorsey. I do. But you also have to understand that every fan base, no matter what, has their complaints about guys every single week. And that's why I never quite understood that every week, every single week, Ken Dorsey was, was the guy to blame. Oftentimes, and people need to look in the mirror on this, oftentimes the game in which Josh Allen played is worse is when Ken Dorsey got all the blame. Ken Dorsey is not the one throwing balls in a double coverage in the red zone. People need to understand that. Every time Josh Allen has a multiple pick game, I always see that it's completely blamed on Ken Dorsey. That was where I stood. I stand up for the guy quite often. But yesterday in that sp specific series example I just gave you, that, I mean, what, do you, what is that? That's on Ken Dorsey. Those were the play calls sent in. Let's talk about Sean McDermott. Before we do that, let me get to a couple super chats because you know I'm going to forget. Where are we at here? Who haven't I got? Who have I not gotten to yet? By the way, 8-11 Eastern. We are getting in close to kickoff between Tom, Mother, F, and Brady. Good God. He's still popping. They staged. And I'll tell you what. I'll tell you right now. They're winning that game tonight. They're beating the Cowboys. I mean, old takes exposed if it doesn't happen, but I'm quite confident in it. I just, Brady at home, 
everyone doesn't, you know, everyone counted them out. They just back into the playoffs, win the division. Here we go. Classic Tom Brady, uh, classic Tom Brady vintage, you know, pops the hell off tonight type game. That, that game kicks off in a few minutes and we'll wrap up here soon. Um, so everybody can go watch that bad boy. My main man, Bartek, coming in. He's saying, tune into my weekly therapy, win or lose. Much love, Z-Bot. I'm already preparing myself mentally for what's to come next. Can't help but to believe. Bartek is my main man, and he gets it as well as we all do. I mean, Bartek goes through it. We were talking yesterday um, through DMs, and Bartek, I was telling him, I sent him the picture of me that I showed you guys earlier. I said, this was me, and he's like, dude, that was me in a bar with like a million other people. And this is why this is why I can't watch games in public or I rarely do when I'm not at the stadium because I cannot I I just I can't function properly because I will do exactly what I did yesterday in the comfort of my own home in front of hundreds of other people. And I just don't want to look like a guy that belongs um you know on the news. I just I I I don't want to be I don't, I don't want to be on the news being arrested for punching a hole in the wall after the Dolphins take the lead in the third quarter. I just don't want to be the guy. I don't want to be that guy. I'd rather do it in my own home and then hire a guy to spackle the wall because I don't know how to do it myself. Anthony English coming in here. Super chat. Anthony's saying, let's admit we underestimated the Dolphins. (laughs) No, no doubt. I mean, good, good God. I think that's putting it lightly. Anthony underestimated. I I don't even know what the word would be. I mean, we, we, we disrespected the Miami Dolphins brutally. And I, I, I got to tell you, I look back on it and I don't think there was a, there's a thing about me that would have changed other than I should have been more cognizant of the fact that this game is a divisional game. And because of that, there's, there's just, you, you throw everything out the window. It's also a playoff game. But I also do think what crept into my mind and almost eliminated that aspect of things for me was the fact that last year against the Patriots was the same setup. The Patriots were a much inferior team, right? It's a divisional game. It's in Buffalo. It's wild card weekend. The Bills have the much superior quarterback. And what happened? The Bills put together the perfect game, the all-time greatest offensive performance in, in playoff history, perhaps. And they trounced them, what, 47 to 17? So I'm thinking to myself yesterday, okay, well, if that happened against Belichick, you mean to tell me that can't happen against Mike McDaniel in his first playoff game with Skylar Thompson? But, hey, kudos. Anthony goes on to say, luckily for us, the hype is dying so we can hopefully play the Bengals with a humble heart. That game's going to be a dogfight, man. No question in my mind. I mean, it's just, and the thing of it is, I was talking to my dad yesterday and a couple of other people, I put a poll out on Twitter. I said, who would you rather play right now? Because the game was tied 17-17 at that point, Ravens, uh, Bengals. I said, who would you rather play? Bengals or Jags. And I got to the point where I stopped rooting for the, for anybody. Like, I wasn't rooting for the Bengal or the uh, Ravens to win. Cause I got to the point where I'm like, you know what? Both teams are well coached. Both teams have electric offenses. Both teams have really good quarterbacks. Ain't going to be easy either way. I mean, if, if, if the Bengals lost last night and the bills had to face the Jaguars this coming week, I wouldn't feel not, not to say I wouldn't feel confident, but I, I wouldn't feel like, Oh, we, we lucked out here. Bengals gone, taking on the Jags. Jags Jags deserve to be respected. I would not feel any better. I feel a little bit more nervous because it's the Bengals. And I mean, Bengals are damn good. It's the Bills, the Bengals, and the Chiefs. That's the AFC right there. So, you know, I think it's going to be a great game. 
But either way, no matter what had happened last night, this game was destined to be good regardless. And I think we had one more on here. Let's see. By the way, is that, that game's 8-15, is it not? Yeah. Forgot to uh, see here. Yeah, I got Tampa plus three tonight, by the way, if you were wondering. I know you were. Um, yeah, the game's about to kick off. Okay, yeah, anyway, moving on. James, super chat. He comes in saying, Z-Bot, that exact sequence of plays, I'm assuming you're referring to that sequence of plays we were talking about with Ken Dorsey, that exact sequence of plays you describe is when I left the TV and decided to clean out my nasty deep fryer oil. Oof, I've been there. I used to work at a pizza shop, James. Cleaning out the deep fryer blows. Hated it. Actually, I hated it so much, it got to the point where I like, I always got somebody else to do it. But I mean, I'm such a dick. Um I left the TV and decided to clean out my nasty deep fryer oil. It was more relaxing to do so. Hey, sometimes, James, you just got to take a breath. You got to distract yourself. Um, jealous of you because I can't do that. I can't. Um, I just, I guess I just love tr- trauma. I don't know. Scott, Scott wondering what channel the game's on. Uh, correct me. Oh, it's on ESPN. It's on ESPN Monday night. Um, so I think it's probably Joe Buck and Aikman there. Um, anyhow. Okay. Yeah. So that was my little rant on Dorsey there. Got a full week to correct it, Ken. Let's see. Uh, see how it goes. Sean McDermott, um, about as bad of a coaching day as I've seen from Sean McDermott in quite some time. Might've been his worst coaching day I've seen, quite frankly. Uh, some of the worst clock management I have seen from Sean McDermott maybe ever. And it was probably the worst it was the worst timeout management I have ever seen. Maybe ever, not just from the Bills or McDermott, but like maybe from any team ever. What, what was going on there towards the end of the game? You, you call the timeout on that fourth and one where the, the, the snap was taken by Miami and the Bills stuffed them at the line and then you're like oh let's go what who, who called a timeout My- McDermott called the timeout what what I, th- stunning stunning there were a couple of situations yesterday in the game where you were quite literally screaming out loud Sean McDermott, what are you doing? What are we doing here? It felt like it was his first, it felt like it was his first playoff game to some degree. The way he was handling those timeouts. Two different times in the game yesterday, Sean McDermott had flat out incomprehensible, undefendable timeout calls. And it just, it, it reeked of inexperience, which is crazy because he's not inexperienced at all. So what was that? And it didn't help that on the other side of things, how many times, how many times did Miami get a delay a game that wasn't called? 400? More? There was a delay a game every snap. I, I mean... The clock management on both sides yesterday and the timeout management was just was just disgusting. It was unwatchable. And I think that's what also led to this game being four hours long. 
right? But, you know, here's the thing. And, and to back things up a little bit, I just want to say, as far as a coaching perspective is concerned, I just felt like in that moment, Sean McDermott, it, it, I don't know if panic is the right word. It just felt mismanaged. It just felt like it was not being adequately coached in a moment where you expect a guy like Sean McDermott at, his, at this point in his career to have been capable of adequately calling timeouts and managing the clock. And it just didn't feel like it. Now, I don't know. I don't know how much blame I can put on McDermott to the point of saying it was his worst coaching performance. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I guess that's probably I'm being a prisoner of the moment here. But I, I, I can start to get to the point here where we're talking about in the playoffs, in big moments, it's almost starting to seem like McDermott does have these gaffes. Yesterday, it didn't cost him. But last year, of course, you know, I don't know if it's McDermott or Leslie Frazier or a mix of both, but we know how brutal the coaching decision was defending the Chiefs on those 13 seconds. So, I mean, Al's coming in. This is why, you know, I mean, this is why I feel like sometimes I am a prisoner of the moment. And I, and you all know how much I love Sean McDermott. I, um, I just felt that yesterday there were moments that it, it just felt like he, he was not quite understanding the moment, but Al's making a good point here saying that he's got to disagree because players weren't ready. And if he didn't call that timeout and they got the first time, we all would have been bitching. That is a good point. I think the reason it seemed more egregious and I think the reason that I found it to be like just so mind-numbing is because even though you're right, Miami did snap the ball and didn't get the first down. So, of course, even though it didn't count, you, you almost forget the fact that the personnel wasn't lined up correctly because Miami did wind up snapping that ball and uh, – and and didn't get the first down. But hey, whatever. You know, Sean, listen, it sucked. But McDermott called the timeout and they stopped him again. So hey, whatever. Um yeah, and this is one last thing. Because I don't want to be I, I don't want to be all that negative. I mean, there's things that are disappointing from yesterday for sure, but it's tough to be overly negative when you got a when you got a divisional game to look forward to next week. And we know that this team, even when they play poorly, they still just find a way. I just felt that yesterday, as far as coaching was concerned, the it, it, it just felt like it wasn't sharp. I guess that's the best way to put it. And I felt like if they coached a sharp game, if Allen played a sharp game and didn't turn the ball over, that this game would have been a coasting for the bills, but you know, the coaching was not sharp and Allen wasn't overly sharp at times either. And that's why the game wound up being as close as it was. Also this, you know, the O line, you can blame Allen all you. And, and this is the thing. I mean, Allen, did he have his best game yesterday? Once again, I say this all the time. No, the, the his first interception down the field, trying to, uh, trying to uh, target John Brown. Awful. Now, I think Romo had pointed out that John Brown ran the wrong route. Right? I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily true or whatnot, but either way, underthrown, single coverage, and it just wasn't anywhere near where it needed to be. And in my opinion, bad decision. Now, Allen's been getting grilled. And once again, I get it. But we also need to take a look at the fact that in this game, you know, Josh Allen had three touchdowns and over 350 yards. 
And, you know, the three touchdowns were prolific. I mean, the touchdown to Gabe Davis was incredible. A couple of the deep balls he had were unreal. The one that Stephon Diggs sticks out, you know, the most. Um, I thought this was the best this wide receiver core has played maybe all year. You finally had another game where Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs both have not only more than five catches apiece, but also more than 110 yards apiece. I mean, that is what you wanted to see more frequently this year. But at the end of the day, all that matters is getting it in the playoffs. And that's what we got yesterday. Stephon Diggs, massive day, led the league or led the team in yards. And then Gabe Davis back, you know, playoff Gabe showing up. A great grab from Khalil Shakir. How about Cole Beasley getting in the end zone? And I felt like players in this game who did who did make a mistake wound up correcting themselves. Like Khalil Shakir dropping that ball on third down and that deep ball wound up making an unbelievable catch later on in the game. Cole Beasley dropping the ball right in his chest that led to the interception. He winds up catching a touchdown. Uh, I just felt like those were two really remarkable comeback plays from two guys who had mistakes earlier on in the game. Now back to Allen, you can get on Allen all you want, but yes, let's go back to the O-line point. O-line was not good. And the reason that Josh Allen was strip sack fumbled in the beginning of the third quarter there for the Miami Dolphins to take the lead. Nobody blocked the guy on the right side. Nobody got blocked. I mean, the, the, the dude might as well have just walked in there and sacked Allen. I don't know what, what Allen's supposed to do. Now, I get it. Maybe you you need to read the, the pressure a bit more and tuck the ball away. It does seem like Allen lately, when he runs or when he's just in the pocket, is a bit careless in the way that he handles the ball. I noticed in the Miami game in week 15, a few weeks back, when he was running the ball, he was kind of running it like LaShawn McCoy used to do, like one-handed with it out. You can't be doing that. So maybe that you could put the fumble on him to some degree, but I'm, I don't want to get nitpicky here when, when the, when the reality is he got sacked seven times and on that particular sack, I mean, what was he supposed to do? He, he's an athletic specimen, but even he can't get out of a, out of a situation like that. And then the interception on the target to Beasley, that's on Cole Beasley, man. I don't, I don't understand where, where Allen's getting the argument or getting the blame here. The ball was right in Beasley's chest. I mean, it was, it was nowhere else but in Beasley's possession until it wasn't. He dropped the ball, bounced off his chest, the ball was intercepted. So I thought Allen yesterday, it wasn't great, had a few mistakes, but I think the two bigger mistakes of the three that he had yesterday were not necessarily on him or fully on him. Um, he also had some plays, though, that were just incredible. And how many times have we said this before? How many times? With Josh Allen, you're going to get a lot of mind-numbing stuff sometimes. You're also going to get some of the best highlights you've ever seen on the, on the professional football stage. I mean, it's the good with the bad. The comparisons with Brett Favre are becoming very, very adequate, I think. Because Brett Favre was the same way, the ultimate gunslinger, the guy who didn't care how many picks he threw, how many turnovers he had, because at the end of the day, However many times he turned the ball over, he also had as many touchdowns, if not more. And Brett Favre wasn't a, a, a hundredth of what the athlete Josh Allen is. So I think that we do get those plays, like these interceptions and these fumbles, at times because of the way Josh Allen just naturally is and probably will always be. But in the playoffs... A ball like the one to John Brown, it just seems like that either doesn't need to be thrown or needs to be thrown better. Then again, you can argue about the deep shots. You can argue about, 
you know, missed missed guys or interceptions. There was also a handful of just incredible deep balls yesterday. Right? I mean, Allen was averaging nine yards a throw yesterday. Nearly every time he let go of the ball, it was a first down. So the one thing I did, and I, I see humble Bills fans coming in here, and this is one thing that I've been slamming the table for all year. I do love, I mean, the deep ball from Allen, it's like the, it's the most fun thing ever to watch, right? But I do wish Allen would utilize the short game a bit more. And I wish that Dorsey would draw some stuff up to utilize it more. No better example than what I was talking about earlier with my biggest complaint from Ken Dorsey yesterday. You don't necessarily have to run the ball because it's you're not in the position of the game to be able to run the clock out. You still need to move the ball, but why not do so through the air, through short yardage? There's a reason you brought Beasley back, who I thought had an effective day yesterday. I understand he only had two catches, but he had two big catches. Two big catches. Why not utilize them more? I mean, honestly, it still looks like Beasley's got it, man. Does it not look like that to you? I mean, I understand he's, he's older now. He doesn't have the same burst. Allen can get you the ball. I, I would like to see more utilization of Cole Beasley since you, ha you have him, right? But I did think yesterday with the absence of Isaiah McKenzie, who was... Um, who just was inactive yesterday. I did expect to see more from Khalil Shakir and Cole Beasley yesterday, and I don't think we got nearly enough of Cole Beasley. But I thought Khalil Shakir and uh, Cole Beasley made two of the bigger plays of the day. So, hey, it was good to see them utilize at the very least. Maybe I didn't think it was enough, but still utilize more so than they've been really all season, which was ref refreshing. Now, the Isaiah McKenzie situation, that's another questionable thing. I'm not sure if we'll see him again this coming week. I don't know. You, you know how it goes with these guys. You never really know. You never know who's going to be in and out at times, right? Uh, so we'll see. I just would like to see more Beasley. I, and, and really, though, I don't care who it is. I don't really care at all who it is. It just needs to be somebody in the short game. James Cook, Singletary, Shakir. Cole Beasley, Isaiah McKenzie, I really don't care. In situations like that where you need to move the ball and gain Allen confidence, right, whatever, I, I would like to see that. Or just more than anything, like it doesn't need to be a deep shot every time. I mean, it's awesome, right? And the Bills' quick scoring ability is amazing. I mean, there was a point in the game yesterday where they scored two touchdowns within three and a half minutes or so. I mean, that's what these guys are great at. But it doesn't need to be do or die on everything. It doesn't need to be everything. Did love James Cook, by the way, yesterday. His touchdown was awesome. It was so great to see him get into the end zone. Looking through the stats here. Was so impressed with the wide receivers yesterday. Just so impressed. That's what you wanted to see. I mean, once, have we had a game this entire year where three receivers had 50-plus yards? I don't even, I don't even, I can't recall one. My main man, my brother, Rico. What's Rico got to say? Rico's saying people want to drag Bills for not killing Fins. Did the Bengals impress enough last night? Their defense bowed them out. Things happened. It's exactly what I said at the top of the show, Rico. I don't know if you were here. It's exactly what I said. And that ultimately fueled my point of it does not matter what you did, how you did it. You got the win. Both parties did. The Bengals and the Bills. It just didn't matter. It doesn't matter to me today. It won't matter tomorrow. All that's going to matter is what you put out on the field next Sunday. These games don't matter. 
Bengals didn't look great. Bills looked great until they didn't. Then they looked awful. And they looked good again. Then they looked mediocre. And I, there's a million different ways you could you could spin that game. But they won. Easily could have lost. And same for Cincinnati. So both teams, it's not like one team's coming into this game just riding an absolute dominant performance. I mean, both teams are coming into this game kind of reeling a little bit. You know damn well Cincinnati's sitting there today saying, man, I don't know how great I feel about yesterday. We, we did not play our best. And we know for a fact, Allen's already said it. He said it right after the game. He goes, you know, we, we, it was costly, some of the things we did. I mean, they're well aware. Nobody's harder on himself than Josh Allen. They both know today that things did not go the way that they expected them to yesterday. And I think that that can probably tell you that you're going to get a much better performance or at least the pursuit of a much better performance next week from both sides. And that, of course, is going to lead to a game that I think is going to be one hell of a showdown. Slinksy coming in. Super chat. Why are Dolphins fans celebrating a playoff loss? They were 9-8 and eight last year to nothing changed. Never in my life have I seen fans celebrating losing. I Listen, and this is coming from somebody and myself who I just, I have had it up to here with the Dolphins fans. I thought they were just beyond insufferable this season. They were the worst fan base online all year. I just couldn't, I could not take it. It was brutal. It led me to get to the point where the Dolphins who have almost cemented themselves as a team that I just, I mean, not that I had any love for the Dolphins to begin with. They're, they're a damn divisional rival. But it just, for some reason, obviously it was always New England forever, and now it's been Kansas City as far as my most hated team. But this year, I mean, Miami was right up there, and it was just because of the utter delusion I saw nonstop everywhere. But here's where I got to defend Miami fans today. They should, they're not, I don't know if they're celebrating necessarily. That's a, that's a team yesterday. You got to understand this. That's a team yesterday who trotted out onto that field, a hostile environment where nobody in the world expected them to be, put up a fight, much less get the game down to a three-point game late and with a chance to win. Nobody expected that. They had a third-string rookie quarterback. I keep saying this because it's just like it's insane to talk about because it's the truth. This was the situation at hand yesterday. A third-string rookie quarterback, their first Start their overall number one running back or starting running back, Raheem Mostert, not in a banged up offensive line, a rookie head coach. This team was 14 point underdogs yesterday to a team that is expected to make the Super Bowl. And they were very close to winning the ball game. Miami fans, whether they admitted it or not, they knew yesterday going into that, that they were probably in for a slaughter and they got an absolute heartfelt, emotionally fueled, and I think just gutsy, impressive performance from a team that we just all felt did not even belong on that field yesterday. And I think that's where you're getting that sentiment from right now from Miami fans. And I, and I completely agree with them. If I was a Miami fan today, there'd be nothing I'd be celebrating. There'd be nothing I'd be overly thrilled about. But I would be proud of the Miami Dolphins yesterday if I were a fan because they went out there and gave a showing that nobody expected. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. Um, so yeah, yesterday was yesterday and we're well over 24 hours from now. And it's to the point on, this is the playoff mentality, I guess, you know, in a, in the regular season, I would be like, I'd be chatting about this game all week. You know, I'd be, I'd be all over this game all week. We'd be talking about it. I'd be thinking about it. I'm done with it. Honestly, I swear. Like, it's just, it's done. Like even yesterday after the win, you know, after they won and I knew I didn't feel great about it. It's done. It's over. Like all you have to do in these playoffs 
is just get to the other side. I keep saying it. Like, I don't, I don't care if you swim there, if you, if you run there, you walk there, you limp there, you crawl there. I don't give a shit. If you get to the other side, I'm satisfied. And today, even though I thought we'd be talking about a drumming, we're still talking about what I expected to talk about, a Bills W. We got there. And they still put up 34 points. And I haven't talked about this yet. thought the defense played extraordinary, extraordinarily. Now, there was one drive where I felt like when they were up 34 to 24 and Miami started back in their own territory, I felt like that was the moment this defense could have put the game away and they didn't. That was my biggest gripe on this defense yesterday. It was also giving up that third and 10 to Skylar Thompson backed up against our end zone. A couple of plays there, uh, or a couple of drive, two drives, I guess, where, you know, I just... It was like, ah, oh, come on. This, this felt like a put up or shut up moment for the defense and it didn't happen, but they, uh, they, I thought they balled out. I thought Tremaine Edmonds had one of his best days as a bill yesterday. He delivered one of the most like eye-opening hits I have seen. I got grilled on Twitter for saying that was the be- one of the best legal hits you'll see in the NFL. Everybody was like, oh, he launched. He launched. Oh, it should have been a flag. Oh, well, it wasn't. So guess what? It was legal. I mean, come on. We have been so conditioned now. We have been so conditioned to just look for the flag. Where's the flag? If you've been watching football long enough, you know the flags stay in the pockets more often than not when you get into mid-January. And I'm glad, you know, like there's, there's, and even I'm like that sometimes. When, when uh, Skylar Thompson got nailed as he was running out of bounds, I was, I was like for sure thinking there was going to be a flag there. You know, and there wasn't. And that's what's great about playoff football. Why they don't implement that that refereeing style during the regular season, I'll never know. It's better that way. Leave the flag in the pocket unless it's egregious to the point where everybody understands that a flag should be thrown. Right? That hit was awesome. Sorry. Sorry. You know, it, 10 years ago, that hit would have been a routine hit. I mean, now we're getting amped up over a hit that didn't get a flag. I mean, think about it like that, really. Think about it. We get amped up now by seeing a big hit and then not seeing a flag, which more often than not never happens. When's the last time you saw an awesome hit without a flag? Oh, I can remember yesterday. And then Matt Milano against the Jets when he nailed Mike White. That was one of the best tackles I've ever seen as far as like form is concerned, hitting is concerned. Good God. Those two boys wouldn't want to get hit by either of them, especially Matt Milano. Good guy. Oh, and the other thing, too, I see that everybody says Matt Milano's a dirty player. I don't. Now, come on. And just because the guy is just an absolute force on the field doesn't necessarily mean he's dirty. I'm not going to get into that. I don't care about that, really. I don't. I mean, I see that all the time. Look at you lost. Sorry. I mean, I don't think Matt Milano's a dirty guy. I don't think there's a dirty guy on the Bills. It's just not who they are. It's not who they are. They're not dirty guys. They're not. I just, I'm not even going to talk. It's so stupid. I saw that and I'm like, dude, come on. You know, like nobody can just lose. I've never, I've never like lost a game. The only time I ever felt that way was when Gronk arm barred Tredavious White. Okay. Yeah. Dirty. Like dirty. Like what the hell was that? Still to this day, one of the most ridiculous bullshit off, off the field plays I've ever seen. I don't go to Twitter after losing like, oh, you know, so-and-so, he, he, he's a dirty guy. I hate that. Like, come on. It should have been a flag. He hit him hard. 
please. Rico, bot, I need to apologize to at Faisal Pereira. We both agree that Josh Allen did not have a bad game, but bad moments. But I misread his super chat. Need glasses. Okay, I'm guessing this happened last night, perhaps. Either way, though, in agreement with all of you. And as we know, I mean, this is the Allen that we've seen a lot this year. But the great thing, I guess, about that is that I just saw Dallas scored, by the way. Come on. Right? This is a weird one. I don't like Dallas. Who the hell does? I don't like Tom Brady. Who the hell does? Who are you rooting for here? Well, I'm rooting for Dal- I'm rooting for the Bucs plus three. So seven points for the Cowboys does me no favors. Anyhow, agreed with Rico and Visel here because that's what it was yesterday. Allen did not have a bad game. He did not have a great game. But I would also argue he had more of a great game than he did a bad game. Because let's let's just put it this way, and we can say this about probably 99% of Bill's games. Josh Allen on that field yesterday, they lose to Skylar Thompson. Guaranteed. Guaranteed or your money back. Josh Allen not out on that field yesterday. Bills pack their shit and head home, taking an early vacation because they lose to Skylar Thompson yesterday. So, you know, I'll get on him about, about, you know, bad decisions because he'll do that at times. But if he's winning the game and also launching the ball the way he did yesterday and getting a couple of an unbelievable throws for touchdowns, I'm going to take the go with the bat. I'm just saying when the bat is bad enough to where it costs us, criticism is going to be, ha- it's going to be delivered and justifiably. So I think we see more. I, I just, I don't know. Yesterday's one of those games where it just felt like, and I, and I think that this happens sometimes. I think what happens is you do get off to that early lead and you do play so hot early on that, you know, you I, I think subconsciously you do kind of just take your foot off the pedal a little bit. I think it happens. You know, it's not often anymore you see a team get out to one of these leads and then just keep it on them the whole game. I mean, even with San Francisco, who did wind up having the biggest margin of victory this whole weekend over the Seahawks, they were dominating early on and then the Seahawks got right back into it. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then they wound up dominating again. But you still, you never really see domination from beginning to end. I'm just shocked the game was that close the whole time. That was the crazy thing. But was what it was, and W nonetheless. So here we stand before we wrap up shop here, about an hour and a half in. Bills Bengals, 3 p.m. Eastern, Sunday afternoon. And the fun thing about that is we will know our fate at that point. We will know who we are playing. We will either be playing the Jacksonville Jaguars in Buffalo, an AFC championship in Buffalo. Who would have had that drawn up? AFC championship in Buffalo with Buffalo not being the one seed, but the two seed against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Just how everybody drew it up. Or what most people expect, Kansas City Chiefs. Now, if the Bills win, of course, that game will be in Atlanta. It will be the only time that we will ever see the Bills and the Chiefs play inside of a dome unless they build a dome over Arrowhead, which I don't anticipate. That's going to be something. Mm, That would be something. But we got to get there. And the only way we get there is if we defeat Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. There's no hotter teams in the league right now as far as the AFC is concerned than these Bengals and these Bills. 
Bills are riding a nine-game win streak. Bengals are riding a 10-game win streak. They both put them on the line this coming week. Now, the Bills, if you're wanting to, if you're wondering about how the public is perceiving this game, the Bills opened up as a six-point favorite, which was insane. The Bills should not be favored by a touchdown in this game. Sorry, it's not the way it's going to go. In my opinion, that is insane. I'm just looking now. Wow, a lot of money must have come on Buffalo, so maybe it's not as insane as I thought it was. I just, the I got to tell you, the, the, the Vegas perception of Buffalo and the public perception of Buffalo, no matter how bad Buffalo plays or whatever, nobody battles on Buffalo in Vegas or on the public. It is insanity. They have been favored in every single game this year. I know I said it earlier. I'll say it again. They are the only team this year to not be an underdog once, and they are not an underdog this weekend. But let me get to my point because the perception currently right now is that at least to open the line, the line opened up at Bills minus six, meaning the Bills were a touchdown favor going into this weekend. That lasted for all of about a minute. It then got bet down very heavily. When I say bet down, if you're not into betting, what that means is a lot of money came in on Cincinnati covering that spread to the point where Vegas drops the line it got dropped all the way down to Bills being only a three-and-a-half-point favorite. It's climbed back up. A lot of money has come in on Buffalo. The Bills are now back to five-point favorites against the Bengals. So as we close up shop here, let me know in the comments section if you think the Bills win, and if you do, do you think that they cover a five-point spread? In my opinion, this game's a field goal game. This is how I view this game. I think these two teams are evenly matched. I think these two teams are the hottest teams in the AFC. I think they have two of the best quarterbacks in the entire league. And there's a lot of emotional stress on both these teams. Last time they were out on the field together, we all know what happened. There's a lot on this game. It's a huge, it's just, it, it, it's huge. The way this has culminated together, this Bills-Bengals matchup, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. Um, I don't see five points, but hey, that's just how the Bills have been perceived. Now, the Bengals are banged up. The Bengals, if, depending on the injury report this week, the, the Bengals, as it stands right now, will be going in to this game Sunday without three starting offensive linemen. That is huge because we all know how poorly Cincinnati's offensive line was last year. And that ultimately wound up doing them in at the latter half of the year when they got to the Super Bowl and it just couldn't sustain itself. They built around that offensive line this year and it's banged up right now. And that's the reason why Joe Burrow, I think now is the second or third most sacked quarterback in playoff history. He was sacked a bunch last night, as was Allen, but he was sacked a bunch last night against the Ravens. So I think you can probably put the pieces together here and understand that if the Bills are going to win this game, they're going to have to have a day on the D-line. Bills did really good. I, I thought they did a really good job yesterday in, in an area where I thought they would wind up doing a good job. I thought that they did get adequate pressure on Skylar Thompson to the point where I think it did disrupt his day. I mean, he was he only threw for a 40% completion percentage. In the NFL, I don't care if you're a rookie or a veteran, it's just not good enough. They also sacked him four times and had seven tackles for loss. I mean, the Bills D, uh, the, the Bills D line got in there yesterday. And I thought the secondary for, for what we had trotted out there yesterday, I mean, you got to give them all the credit in the world. They absolutely shut down Jalen Waddle. I mean, Jalen Waddle is one of the best wide receivers in the league. He had one, he had, what did he have? 
He had three catches. He had three catches, but I think he went almost up until the fourth quarter without a single catch. And then Tyreek Hill, we all saw the graphic yesterday during the game. The last two times he's played the Bills in the playoffs, he had over 150 yards each in both games. And the Bills held him to 69 yards yesterday and didn't let him get in the end zone with his longest reception being 15 yards. And we all know Tyreek Hill is the type of guy against Buffalo where he catches it and all of a sudden he's got, eight, he's got 60 yards. Got to give all the credit in the world there to this Bills D. To the secondary, who was banged up but stepped up yesterday, Kyir Elam, in a big spot as a rookie. He gets an INT. Teron Johnson, he steps up. I think Teron Johnson, man, I mean, or excuse me, I didn't mean to say Teron Johnson. Didn't, I, I, I wanted to say Teron Johnson, I think, has played terrific. I think he's been incredible this year. Very underrated. But he didn't have the interception. Kyir Elam had the interception, and then Dean Marlowe had the interception. Dean Marlowe, of course, is the guy who has been in for um, DeMar Hamlin. And, hey, next man up. Of course, that's how football rolls. And Dean Marlowe comes in for the big interception yesterday. And then Kyir Elam, you got to love it. As a rookie, stepping out in a big spot yesterday, he gets the pick. And then uh, I thought the D-line stepped up yesterday as well. Um, that's going to be huge. It's going to be huge this coming weekend. You know, you think Miami's wide receiver core is good, and it is. They have the best wide receiver duo in the league. The Bills are now going up against the best wide receiver core in the league. Bengals have the best wide receiver roster in the league. But if we can get a game like we got from this secondary yesterday, where you bend, don't break, you hold one of your top receivers, whether it's Chase, I doubt it, but whether it's Chase or Higgins, you can hold one of them to a waddle-type game or close to it. And then you can sack Burrow four-ish times like you did yesterday against Miami. I like our chances. I like our chances. Very excited for this one. I can't wait. The moral of the story tonight, though, folks. Yesterday, it's done and over. Wasn't pretty, but the end result is exactly what we wanted. And it all wound up going according to plan. The same thing can be said for the Cincinnati game. Wasn't pretty, went according to plan. And I think we all went into the weekend expecting that the Bills would be playing uh, the Bengals in the divisional round. And that's exactly what's happening. Bills-Bengals, Sunday, 3 p.m. Smoke break, Monday, 8 p.m. I can't wait to join you for that one. Hopefully we'll be talking about another trip to the AFC Championship. Got to get it done at home versus the Bengals, though, first. Oh, boy. I'm nervous. It's going to be a long week. Get me to Sunday, baby. I can't wait. Enjoy the game, folks. Yesterday's in the rear view. Don't sulk. It's a W. Whatever. Stuff happens. Win's a win. Survive in advance. That's all that matters in the playoffs, baby. Can't wait for Sunday. Enjoy the uh, enjoy the game, and then I will talk to you Monday, and we'll recap that one. I'm sure it'll be a beauty, and there'll be a lot to talk about. Until then, folks, enjoy your week. Thanks so much for tuning in, and as always, go Bills.
Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.